0: if you use evolution as your pattern 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 if you use evolution as your pattern dude as your pattern how do you say that i'm saying it right i feel like i'm saying yeah pattern okay use evolution as your pattern 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 That's
1: some more east texas 20 Yeah, yeah whatever
0: Hello, welcome to Universally Challenged, the podcast where we do cultural criticism from a biblical perspective. Today I've got Scooter here with me, and we're going to attempt to discuss maybe, I don't know if this is really a hot button issue, it's one that's always there, I guess at least since Darwin has been there, (laughs) what evolution is, how it relates to Christianity, and what the Bible says, so... Sounds good. Sounds good. Mm -hmm. So if I asked uh, you for a brief explanation of what you would say evolution is, what would you say?
1: I would would steal a quote from Tony Evans, and I'm probably going to mess this up, so, so I apologize in advance. But basically, to summarize a point that he was making, evolution is a theory created by man to make smart people sound dumb. I mean, I kind of like that. I'm pretty sure he went deeper into it. and He probably explained a little bit more than than yeah. I just put out there, but I don't, I don't know where it comes from. Out of the deceitful heart of man okay. him, himself. We The Bible, and we'll get into it. If you want to talk about microevolution, that's a different story, even though it's a part of the same game. Mm-hmm. But this macroevolution, which is what evolution really is, uh, these major steps from one mm-hmm. thing or, or whatever you want to call it, to an X from the goo to the zoo to you. I, I, I think I've heard somebody say that. Yeah. That's, that's <laughs> just sure ridiculous. It's a, a
0: Norman Geisler. Honestly, guys, if you went to public school, you probably have at least a basic understanding of what evolution is. If you took any college science courses, maybe a little bit better view of what evolution is. Uh, just kind of accept it as a fact. You're not supposed to debate it. They don't want you in school teaching any sort of intelligent design view opposed to it because the consensus is that evolution is true and just believe it and walk away from it like scooter was saying scientific theory proposed by charles darwin i think most of us know in this and like i said this is mainly for the homeschool kids that learned the right way and didn't learn evolution so i need i'm explaining it for them because i know most of us know this but he observed some finches on an island he observed the changing of the finches based on whether it was dry or wet and what size beaks they had. Mm-hmm. And that just has to do with those traits were the ones that they, you could survive with at the time. We all believe that that was observable, testable, repeatable. I think that was a decent si- use of the scientific method. right? Yes. There.
1: And that's what we're talking about when we say micro evolution. Yes.
0: And that's what I was getting to that too, where macro versus micro as Scooter was talking about is different. I think Micro evolution, changes within populations, we can all agree on that. And we can sit there and look at it. We can observe it and see how it happens. But macro evolution, like Scooter was talking about, is everything coming from one single-celled organism to what we have today. We all share a common ancestor. You know, we are all come from a rock or from a banana or whatever. Sure. Not, not the modern-day banana, but the... Proto-banana <laughs> that we all come from, you know. We all share uh, that. And I really think it's a way of naturally how things would work if God wasn't involved. Uh, ultimately, it's it's a way to escape a creator.
1: And that's the whole key to evolution because if you can do away with God, more power to him. And, and that's the whole purpose behind it. That's the whole point.
0: Yeah, we, we want to have wisdom ourselves. We, we would definitely have eaten of the fruit of the garden. Which, did you see that Super Bowl commercial at first, I did not know what I was looking at, but it was the avocado commercial.
1: No, i miss that over.
0: It was Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Adam's just kind of doing his own thing, and Eve is over by the tree, and she takes a bite of the apple or whatever, and Adam's like, oh, no, I'm naked. Everything starts going dark. Everything's bad. Well, this koala or something's up in the tree and ha- hands Eve an avocado and tells her this makes everything better. <laughs> and she eats the avocado And then everybody's happy and dancing, that jumps forward to modern daytime, and they're in New York, and it's no longer the big apple, it's the big avocado. Nobody's wearing clothes, everything's perfect. It's kind of smart. Well, (laughs) I get the commercial, but it's kind of thumbing its nose at the Bible, you know, and not really having an understanding of what it meant. Oh no! Okay, the avocado fixed everything. Now avocados are from Mexico. It's like give me another reason to ban Mexico. No, I'm just, I'm just saying. But it's, I mean, it's catchy. It, 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 I it, get it. The second time I saw it, I understood it better. The first time, I really didn't know what I was looking at. I was trying to figure it out. I guess um, if Eve would have just eaten another piece of fruit, the avocado, everything would have been good. I don't know. I, it was right up there with the he gets us uh, commercials for the Super Bowl for me. I just don't know, whenever you start popularizing events from the Bible and using them more in a mythology-type sense, I don't know if that's a good thing.
1: Well, not for us. No. no. But we've talked about, you know, the gray area. Yeah. That's, that's that's the game. That's the game now. Let's, let's play in the gray area, and it makes everything easier. Well, and this wasn't something I planned on
0: talking about. You know, the avocado <laughs> thing just came to mind. But I guess if any person – because I do know people – That have never heard of the Garden of Eden or Adam and Eve or understood, you know, how sin came into the world. I guess if that commercial, if any person who didn't know what it was talking about, decided to look into it and came to an understanding, seeing the gospel and believing, I guess in that way, I couldn't hate on the commercial I really don't expect pagans to act like Christians, so i can't I'm not gonna buy avocados anymore, which I don't really care for avocados, so I don't care that much. I know it's not the gospel being preached, but maybe if it leads to understanding, it's not the worst thing in the world you know I don't know i did I did not come up with my opinion on this before we started talking. I just we saw it, and my first thought was, This is horrible. <laughs> anybody who's still trying to guess, you're probably guessing correctly that we're not really proponents of evolution. <laughs> if we've already, I think we've already got to that point. Uh, I was going to try to leave a little mystery there, Scooter, no, I'm sorry. but uh, I, th- I think we've, we've failed on that front, but I thought maybe just in case somebody thought I was misrepresenting what evolution is that I would look up some outside sources, get a basic understanding of what evolution is being presented as and share it. Now, I don't know if anybody respects the school this is coming from, but it's uh, UC Berkeley. Okay. Okay. I just looked up what is evolution. They had an introduction to evolution. It says evolution 101, which I'm assuming is a class. I didn't understand that you need a whole class just to teach evolution. I mean, this is evolution 101. I wonder what 102 and 103 is like, you know, (laughs) but let's just read their definition here. Biological evolution, simply put, is a descent with inherited modification. The definition encompasses everything from small scale evolution, like we talked about microevolution, for example, changes in frequencies of a different gene version in a population. I agree. We can follow that. We can see how it works. Population genetics is real, okay? It's observable, testable, and repeatable from one generation to the next, to large scale evolution. Now, this is macroevolution. For example, the descent of different species from one shared ancestor over many generations. Now, this is how they sum up their introduction. It says, evolution helps us understand the living world around us as well as its history. So now they've jumped from science to history. History. Mm -hmm. Those are two different things. Exactly. You cannot do science on history. Historians do history, right? You collect data, you put that together, but we can't test it or repeat it.
1: Well, my question is, when I don't know how things are now. Okay, mm-hmm. that's obvious, but kind of when I was growing up and getting close to college age, you heard things like English one on one, this one on one. It was always meant what I was told. I could be wrong. Mm-hmm. To kind of weed people out,
0: mm-hmm. you
1: put the stuff in there. Then when you, when you got to the content, that was really you know who wants to be here, who wants sure. to, so who are you trying to weed out? with evolution 101 i, I can
0: i almost I almost guarantee you evolution 101 is probably a required course for a lot of their
1: degree plans. oh when you say you see berkeley i'm yeah i'm positive it's, it probably. It's like they
0: want to put everybody in this and just let them know a little bit about it and just understand that this is fact and you have to accept it but they're saying it helps us understand the living world around us i can see that with micro evolution mm-hmm. You know, just a change within species. And a matter of fact, you could go back to the story of Jacob with the, breeding the sheep. See how that works. You know, yeah. <laughs> and them the ones with spots that you could keep. The ones he just bred them together. It's just the animal way husbandry he, yes, basically. That's all it really is. When it comes down to it, the macro evolution from one common ancestor. It helps us understand the living world around us as well as its history. And I think that's where they are mistaken when they think they can observe something that happened. Thousands of years ago. You can't. And their explanation of this, that was their definition. It is biological evolution is not simply a matter of change over time. Many things change over time. Caterpillars turn into moths. Trees lose and regrow their leaves. Mountain ranges rise and erode. But they aren't examples of biological evolution because they don't involve descent with inherited modifications. All life on Earth shares a common ancestor. And they've got that underlined and highlighted. Just as you and your cousin share a common grandmother, through the process of descent with modification, this common ancestor gives rise to diverse species that we see documented in the fossil record and are okay, they see species documented in the, in the fossil record, but they see no species that are transitionary. this Trans- right. species. So they can say, yes, we do see these species in the fossil record, but they're making a big jump to say that they're coming from a common ancestor because of that. I just want to make that point there around a state. Evolution means that we are all distant cousins, humans and oak trees, hummingbirds, and
1: whales. Sounds like a big pantheistic view. Oh, (laughs) yeah, man.
0: And that tree deserves the same respect a human being deserves. We're related. A tree's your brother. It's not here to serve you. It wasn't made for you to use. I think the view in the garden is... That all things that were created were put here for man, you know, in submission to man. And this is the total opposite view. It puts us right on the same level with everything else yeah. that exists.
1: Yeah, and and to make just light of the of, of the situation real quick, how do you know me and my cousin have the same grandmother? No. And how do you know if she identifies as a grandmother? Oh well. So that's a big assumption <laughs> to make, especially in today's world. Well, you're
0: you're you're jumping somewhere. You you're, y'all y'all have uh two grandfathers, is that what you're telling <laughs> me that <yeah. laughs> That's a that's a jump off what we're talking about no, no, just I'm a sorry. little bit
1: there. <laughs> just need to lighten it up a little bit.
0: So, I, I guess some people would say, "Hey, you're you're agreeing with evolution on some point you you're saying microevolution uh is a thing and macroevolution isn't, you know. And so h- how do you how do you justify that? And I would say whatever evolution says that lines up with scripture, I agree with. If it doesn't contradict scripture and you can see it happening, I agree. But when it when it does contradict scripture, we're going to disagree with it. So I mean everything doesn't have to be totally bad all the time.
1: The problem is this is a modern day religious view pretty much. It is. No, it's a worldview in and of itself. And one thing that's dangerous is it pits science against God, but God is a reason for science. Yeah. We've got bad science because of people that practice bad science, not because the science is bad itself. But when you post stuff out there like that, you're taking the biblical, view, which I will, but let's just from a practical standpoint. Mm Mm-hmm. Show me where science proves macroevolution to the level that these people, or even to any level. Yeah, they have, they have yet to find one transitionary fossil. Exactly, but show where science has proven microevolution. Yeah. So it's real easy for anyone to see how you can accept parts of evolution, but yeah. not the main gist of it. The main gist of evolution is to take everything away from God, to get rid of God. Yeah. And that's the danger. We don't need
0: God anymore. We've discovered this on our own. Mm -hmm. And I think as a Christian, I I like science. Mm -hmm. I love it. And whenever you see the amazing way that the world's maintained and how it works, it's more praise to God for how wonderful He is and how He makes things. You know, I mean, just to look at the galaxies, you know, the different solar systems, and we can see them. And people will say, well, that's evidence there's not God because there's other life out there somewhere. We have no evidence that there's any other life.
1: No, and even if there was, God uh, created all things, so they'd still be subject to the same.
0: It displays his glory. He is so great that you would think, well, if you created one planet where you wanted to put people on it, you wouldn't really have to put that much on the outside. You wouldn't, but God did it anyway. right? You know, there's stars and other galaxies that are blowing up and running out of energy. It just shows his greatness. It shows the expanse of him. He can hold all that within his hand. He's greater than what we see. The heavens proclaim his glory, and that's what it does when you look at it. And scientists back in the day used to see it and would proclaim the glory of God based yes. on what they saw. And now we're looking to glorify ourselves, put ourselves up on the pedestal. There's nothing greater than we are. Sure. And get rid of God. And I think that's the main gist of evolution. Yes, I would agree. I think we all kind of know what evolution means and how it works. And I was joking about homeschool kids I'm sure the parents taught them evolution at homeschool, just so they, but I'm sure they taught them why it it doesn't add up. In school nowadays, they want you to just take it as a fact. Right. You're not allowed to argue about it. If you say something about it, they're going to say that you're the only one that thinks that way and that it's a consensus across the board. And that's a fallacy. You know, it doesn't matter if the whole world agrees God doesn't exist. He exists, you know.
1: Exactly, and that points to the danger on the side of the evolutionist, atheist, whatever you want to call Mm -hmm. yourself, because most of them would at least accept this to some extent. They're so hard and outspoken and against intelligent design. And look, intelligent design is not necessarily an argument for the God of the Mm -hmm. Bible. You can take that viewpoint, but just the word God itself. Mm -hmm. So this is not necessarily a, a view that's against christianity per se Mm -hmm. this is something bigger this is anti-god
0: well do you have like maybe a working definition for what intelligent design is
1: just that there was a creator what what you see here basically it something created it
0: do you think that the opponents of intelligent design are mainly christians or are they just people that see that there has to be something behind what exists
1: i think there's probably a little hodgepodge yeah
0: I've heard them speak before, and I don't know if too many of them deny that the Earth's like trillions of years old and things like that, or even deny evolution. They just look at it and they see, and I could see Darwin. Okay, I'm going to cut him a little slack here. In his day, when you could see an amoeba, and that's about as far down as you could go, you could say this is a simple, simple creature, and you could start theorizing about how it becomes more complex over time. The issue Darwin has is something called irreducible complexity. Darwin himself said, if it could be demonstrated that any complex organ existed, which could not possibly have been formed by numerous successive slight modifications, my theory would absolutely break down. This is from his origin of species. A really good example of irreducible complexity is the clotting cascade. There's 12 factors to it, okay? You take out any of those factors and you're going to mess up the clotting cascade and people aren't going to exist. You take out some of the factors and your blood just clots and doesn't flow. Can't live like that. Take out some of the other factors, you bleed out and you can't live that way either. All 12 of these factors could not have developed over time. You can't have the first six without the last six. You can't have the first two without the last 10, or the last 10 without the first two. All these things had to happen at the same time. That's why they're irreducibly complex. So this is a problem Darwin has. Darwin stated it was a problem. He also thought that the simple one-celled organism he was looking at, that that was as complex as it was. Now we have electron microscopes. With electron microscopes, we can look inside these little simple single-celled organisms, which aren't simple at all. Just look up some videos on it. There's a bunch of micro machines in there that are moving things back and forth and doing lots of work. It's not like it's a simple thing. It's it's a complex being, even in a small single cell. And thirdly, Darwin knew nothing about DNA. DNA is, as we all know, it's information. It's like a language and not just a language, but an intelligent language. It tells everything else what to do. It forms everything through information, through intelligence. And intelligence doesn't come from non-intelligence. There obviously was intelligence behind the things that are created. Now, our argument, of course, is that intelligence is God. But through intelligent design, they don't really break that down. They don't go too specifically a Christian God. They're just arguing that there is some form of intelligence behind what was created. We, of course, would say Yahweh, God of the Bible. But yep. yeah, that's that's the argument. I think if I was going to uh, accept evolution, if it, you know, some of us are probably brought up in an environment where it's been beat into us. And even after we become Christians, it's like, well, no, no. Evolution's still real. And I could see taking the view of intelligent design, but realizing God's behind it. Mm-hmm. And that's theistic evolution. And we'll get into that here in a little bit, so I don't want to get into that too much. But yeah. We could talk all day about why we disagree with evolution, probably, but I think we should move on and say, what does the Bible say? Okay. At what point does the Bible address creation and where we came from?
1: Well, I'm glad you asked me that, Zach. I think we can go back to the very beginning, could oh. we not? Genesis 1-1, maybe? Is, it,
0: is that the first book of the Bible? Uh,
1: first, book. The first, I think bo- the first verse. The
0: first verse talks about God creating? Yes. Oh, hold on, hold on. Is this poetic language that we're speaking of? No, about? this is presumption. Oh, it's... <laughs> I I would almost call it historical it's narrative. Pre- Why well,
1: I say that's presupposing. How about yeah,
0: that? I, I would call it. You know, I was I've watched a lot of stuff over the last couple of days about different Christians talking about Genesis and how to take it, whether you're taking it literally or not. I've heard a lot of people, especially on the side of the Earth is really old, and maybe a theistic evolution, where you believe in God but you also believe in evolution, and we're going to make the Bible meld with evolution mm-hmm. because evolution is the overarching theory that have uh inserted that genesis 1 1 or the genesis the first chapter is poetic i i just i read through it several times last night and i i read through to noah a couple different times to try to see where i could draw out a poetic language i don't think it's poetic it sounds pretty direct it's just stating facts of what happened correct now the way they write back then you know you get a the Genesis first chapter account and in two, it goes back and gives a little more detail as to what's going in there. And I even heard people, you know, cause they're trying to add time to it. Mm-hmm. They're trying to make it longer. And they're even trying to say that the seventh day was, is still going on right now. So that that's an example of what the other days were like. So the other days were thousands of years and I don't really get that anyway because, okay, Okay, let's say each of those days was 6,000 years. Okay, what does that do for your evolution theory? Because with evolution, the more we know, the more we realize the impossibility of time, of matter over time becoming something like we have right now, they keep having to add time to it. Now, it used to the, be
1: millions of years. Yeah, that's the key component, right? Yeah. You have to have the time aspect. For, to, for evolution to work. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. The only other worldview against the creation view from the Bible when it's told the truth outside of uh, evolution that I'm aware of is maybe a pantheistic view. But that's completely different. We're not talking about that right now. We're talking about evolution. And yes, you have to have time. You have to have more time. And every time they go back, it seems they have to have more time.
0: It went from millions to billions to now trillions of years, and they'll add more time on it, Mm -hmm. Scooter. They'll add more time because it has to, because they want. It has to play with your imagination. Your imagination has to go, yeah, yeah. If if we from that long, you know, anything, anything, and everything that could happen will happen. Basically, it's where you're coming up with that from. But that's not really what we see in the world. And I, I get their point that they're like, well, the world looks like it would be old. It looks like it would take this long. Oh, those, uh, those stars we're seeing are a trillion light years away. That light couldn't make it here. They'll treat you like you're stupid, mm-hmm. that that light couldn't even be here for us to see if it wasn't trillions of years old. The issue I have with that, and I heard Ken Ham talk about this, is he said his thought is, why did it take God six days? He's like, you know, the God he knows, snap his fingers, it all existed. You know, he said there must be some pattern for us that he wants to give us that we did the six days and the Sabbath and all that stuff. My view on it has always been like this. And I'm sure someone else has this view. And I doubt I made this up out of my head. But if if I got it from somebody, I can't tell you who I got it from. But I had an epiphany one day where I thought about Adam being created. I don't think he was created as an embryo. I don't think he he was in a sack, and he became a baby, and he became a man. Because we're talking special creation here. Absolutely. I think the Bible shows it as Adam was created as a man, Mm -hmm. a full-grown man with understanding. And God gave him responsibility and put him in dominion over everything that he had created. And so if Adam was created as a full-grown man that you could see not as – you know, it's not – The chicken didn't come from an egg, and then the chicken, the chicken was there. Why can't the universe be given appearance of age? Why why can't he create it where the light's there? It's there for you to see. You know, he separates them with the sun and stuff later on. And another interesting point uh, Ken Ham made uh, whenever I was watching. He's Answers in Genesis, by the way. If you're interested, check their stuff out. It's all pretty good, and I agree with them for the most part. So to tip my hat, I'm leaning young earth creationist here. I think Scooter leans the same way I do, but we we haven't really discussed it too much. He was talking about how we get the day is Earth's rotation. And then we get the month from the moon's uh, phases around the Earth. And we get the year from the Earth going around the sun. He said, where do we get the week from? You know, from the Bible. Bible, that's the only place that comes from. It doesn't come from anything rotating around anything else. You know, I thought that was a pretty interesting point. And he was talking about how God laid out this example of how, you know, we're to do things by showing the six day creation. Because he said to him, he doesn't see why it would take God, any, you know, a snap of his finger, why it take six days? These other people are saying that, oh, no, it would take him this much time to do everything. Well, Which doesn't make sense, really. Well, no, and the
1: Bible clearly says, and God spoke. Yes. It doesn't, like you said, a snap of the finger, it takes just as long to speak. Yeah. I can do them in the, the <laughs> you know. To
0: do Genesis 1-1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. That's the first thing the Bible says.
1: So we started off with God. Before we got into anything, we've started off with God.
0: And, and this makes, think of the time period they were in. Uh, you accept Moses wrote Genesis?
1: I do. Okay. that's I'm
0: there, too. Moses wrote Genesis They came out of Egypt. The Egyptian gods, they lived within the universe. It wasn't like they were gods that created the place they lived. This is a God that they're representing that goes, he created everything. He was outside of creation. So nothing began without him beginning it. You know, I think that's noteworthy to mention that. And it it taught he had the power over the light. He had the power over the seas. He told waters they could go a certain distance and no more. And other waters they'd go a certain distance and no more. I didn't realize, I always just assumed we drew a line where the oceans were. But I I, I didn't realize that those waters don't mix. You know, if if the Pacific meets the Atlantic, there's different waters. They don't go together. You know, that's cool
1: stuff. That is really cool. I'm
0: sure if I had a scientist in the room, he would go, oh, this is my explanation for why that happens. But... You know, I know I know God did it that way, and if you want to explain to me how he did it, I'm interested in it, you know.
1: Well, and it's important to note here we've talked about time already. Time was non existent until God put yeah. creation into order.
0: Yeah. The was, beginning, the first second of existence.
1: So it had to be outside yeah. anything temporal. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So how I mean how far back can you can you push that? Yeah. So
0: and, and you know, we I, I'm not the first person to mention this. I, I know like Frank Turek and different people will mention that. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth goes right along with the scientific explanation of the Big Bang Theory. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm not saying the Big Bang Theory, but it's the same explanation. God spoke and there it was. And that's what the Bible says happened. And that's science is like, well, at some point, time, matter was all created. They realize that time wasn't forever and that matter came into existence. They just can't explain it. Mm -hmm. It's been written down for thousands of years.
1: Something can be created from nothing, but not by nothing. So yes. I put that in there just so I can use my big term, ex nihilo or ex nihilo. Yes. So out of nothing came something. Yeah. And Big Bang uh, yeah. certainly would be an explanation to a certain extent for some people.
0: The, there was something, but that something was God. Yes. Yeah. And, and of course, the what are the, all the real smart people going to tell you? But where did God come from? The unmoved mover. There has to be an original, right? It's an infinite regression, which we know is impossible. Mm-hmm. So God just always—he says He was, He is, and He is to come. There is no beginning for God. Now, you want my finite mind to understand that? I cannot. If I think too hard about it, it'll probably explode. But I do accept it as truth. Yes, and it, logically, it's the only thing that makes sense
1: compared to everything out yes. there. Yes, absolutely.
0: Yeah, there has to be for us to be here. There has to be a creator, and that creator has to be infinite. Mm-hmm. Now as a finite being I can't understand it but it's just the fact it is now I think the important thing I almost was going to read all of Genesis chapter 1 but I think everybody who's listening can get their hands in a Bible if you can't there's Bible apps mm-hmm. on your phone get one read Genesis 1 you can even use the nearly inspired version if you want to no I'm just mm-hmm. I just mess with NIV people that's just fine whatever <laughs> Bible you got go ahead and use it not I would probably stay away from the new world translation uh, <laughs> that's a jehovah's witness bible but whatever you like you know uh scooter a couple years ago uh bought the apostle paul's king james bible on ebay so we try to use that as much as uh, possible <laughs>
1: Boy, yeah
0: had you ever seen that before that they were selling the apostle, the apostle paul's, paul's own king james <laughs> version of the bible just a joke people just a joke but um Zach
1: knows I use the NIV a lot, too.
0: Yeah, Yeah, the NIV's fine. I like the NIV fine. I mean, if you kind of want to know what the Bible's saying, (laughs) go ahead and read it. (laughs) (laughs) But, no, on on that topic, though, they're really – there are different translations of the Bible, and there's better ones to study from than other ones. Sure. I, w- I would have said if I was using English version, which I have to because I'm dumb and can't read Greek or Hebrew, but I've, I'd i been studying from NASB. I like it. ESV seems really good. They're more literal word-for-word mm-hmm. translations, and I think it's the best way to study the Bible. Now, at the same time, I can look at the NIV sometimes and get a better idea of what it's saying mm-hmm. because it's a thought-for-thought but I prefer when I'm studying to get more of a literal translation. And for anybody that's really interested in some of the best English translations of the Bible, the newest version they're saying is the best, most literal translation is the Legacy Standard Bible. The Master's University helped develop this. And I want to say – John I don't MacArthur, wanna, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. And you can say what you want to about John MacArthur. I think he – he loves uh, God and he tries to be faithful to the Word. Mm. Whether you disagree with him on some things or not, he he wants to give the most faithful representation of what you know Scripture yeah, says. Yeah, I agree with that. And so, Master's University being part of what helped develop this Legacy Standard Bible, which, to my understanding, is still Lockman Foundation. It's NASB, a more updated literal version the some of the words that were translated that were the same word that they would do different like an nasb or the esv they're trying to make sure they use the same words and stuff as they go through there which makes it for somebody that really studies that's important stuff Mm -hmm. but once again i'm not going to have a transition for this next part like i did last week where i had to just come on and apologize for not having a transition we were talking about genesis You know, because people are going to say we're crazy, crazy Christians that believe that the world was created in seven days, and we're going to say, nope, it was created in six days, he rested in the seventh day, right? (laughs) No, that's Vodi Bauckham's thing. He tells it way better than I do. Trying to steal a man's jokes, mess it up. But no, you, you probably agree that it's created in six literal days. I do. Yeah. So you believe the word day in Genesis 1, as it goes down, is used many times. They're literally saying one twenty-four hour day.
1: After many years, and mm-hmm. looking at all angles, I would have to accept that viewpoint. I, I think it's when you break it down, you take it literally. Uh, I, I think it's clear what the Bible says yeah. is is really what it is. So these are six, if you will, seven yeah. literal days. Based on God's capability and mm-hmm. how He acted, that makes a whole lot of sense.
0: Yeah. And and like we were saying, I think it was a, I think He was capable of doing it. You know, some people say when He said in the beginning God created the heavens and earth, if that's when it happened, and they think the rest of this is poetic language of how He did it, just so we could keep it organized. Here's the thing. Let let me just read some of this. I'm not going to read the whole thing. At the end of verse three, it says, "And there was evening, and there was morning one day." Verse 8 says, there was evening and there was morning a second day. Let's come on down a little bit. There was evening and there was morning third day. There was evening and there was morning fourth day. There was evening and there was morning fifth day. And then after he creates man, it says, there was evening and there was morning sixth day. It's not only even saying day, it's not saying first day, second day, third day. It's actually, given a period of time, it's saying there was evening, morning, that day is complete.
1: Right. So basically what you do now, if you take a view outside of that, then mm-hmm. you have to either increase the length of a day yes, or the evening. Mm-hmm. And I don't know of a whole lot of people that have well, they said, pushed that theory, but I'm sure there are many out there that... I,
0: I've heard people say that, oh, well, not until the third day was there an evening and a morning because... He hadn't separated. He hadn't created the sun and, the. you know, he hadn't separated the light or whatever. But it says literally in the first day there was evening and there was morning. Mm -hmm. You know, it doesn't matter if you think that that can't happen yet. It it says it right there. It says evening, morning. You know, it's tying it to the word day. Mm -hmm. If you want to really get in depth on what the word means, I suggest go to Answers in Genesis and just type in evening, evening and morning or type in the word day. And you'll get a lot of articles on this stuff. And they explain how day does mean different things. Like you can say back in the day, that's a period of time. You know, they talk about all the different meanings of it, but they show where it means certain things. And for it to mean 24-hour period, if there's certain words paired with it, it's always 24-hour period. And they went above and beyond on pairing it with evening and morning. There were several things that were paired with it that made it a literal 24-hour days. Now, if you want to go back and argue that's poetic language, I get you, okay? We can argue it. I personally don't argue with people on this stuff. When I'm talking to people, 90% of the time, I'm trying to present the gospel to them. If they want to bring all this stuff up, I'll go, huh, yeah, maybe that's how God did it, you know? Or I just go, I'll have to look into that. That's interesting. And I get back to talking the gospel with them. Because this isn't, I'm not going to save them through teaching them the world's only thousands of years
1: old. When you start chasing too many rabbits yeah, when you, you get you in you there. you
0: do. And it's not that important. Now, if I'm mm-hmm. talking to another Christian, we can have a better discussion mm-hmm. about it. But I might take them to Exodus 28 and 11, right? We're doing the Ten Commandments. It says, Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day, the Sabbath of Yahweh your God, you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter or your male or female slave or your cattle or your sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days, Yahweh made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that's in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, Yahweh blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. This is Exodus. Hmm. I'm in agreement with anybody that says I've already said Moses wrote Genesis and I know he wrote Exodus So you might just be saying Moses said that, but we know Scripture's inspired. It literally says in Exodus, in six days he created it. And there, nobody is arguing that that doesn't mean six 24-hour days. And then if you go to Exodus 31, 17, for in six days Yahweh made the heaven and the earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. This is God talking to Moses Mm -hmm. at this point. So he's saying that in six days he made the heavens and the earth. And nobody argues that it doesn't mean six 24-hour days right there either. So, I mean, that's other parts in the Bible where it mentions it. And I I can't see where any other authors in the New Testament seem to take it as, you know, the earth was way older than it was. I've heard people make arguments that, well, we don't know how long Adam was in the garden before this happened or before that happened. And maybe there was a long period of time. But I do know the Bible talks about how old Adam was whenever he had like Seth and how Mm. old he was whenever he died. Mm. So we know there's a finite amount of time that Adam existed. It wasn't just forever that he was out there. Anyway, that's my argument for short – for not short days, but let's say a younger earth with the appearance of age, and we could definitely go all day talking about possibly what happened during the flood with Noah and how that catastrophic event affected the earth. And made its age appear, you know, more than it was. I just wanted to say, I think there's a really good argument for a young earth and for the world to have been created in six days and to have the appearance of age. Now, at the same time, are you aware of any other Christians that have a different view that you would consider Christians that didn't believe young earth?
1: Well, you also have, and you brought it up earlier, theistic evolution, yes. where it tries to take in that that same expanse of time, mm-hmm. try to take the macro elements out of creation itself, as far as animals, yeah, humans, but try to say, okay, we've had science here that says this rock is yeah. eight billion years old, and we have these fossils that claim so we it. have to allow, for we that. have to, yeah, you know, so once again, you're, it, it's it's. Unfortunately, because a lot of Christians do hold this view, it's kind of our attempt to play God in a sense.
0: I think they're defending God. I think they're like, well, God's real. Most of the Bible's literal, you know, got this literal view to it. But in this instance, this will make it look like God's not real. So that's a weird defense, though. But you I, agree? Think, I think they do. I think that's what they think they're doing. That oh, God didn't mean this when He said this. <laughs> You know, I honestly think that's what they're doing. And I would say theistic evolution and old earth creationism. And I believe just if you believe this, I'm not saying you're not a Christian. OK, I have I have misviews on a lot of things. And my mind has been changed many times about theology and stuff over the years. And I don't feel like this is a separate issue. I don't think of – some churches split over stuff like this. I don't think this is a church split issue. Now, at the same time, if the leadership in my church was pushing this, I probably wouldn't go to the church. But if someone else in my Sunday school holds this view, I'm not going to report them to the deacons and try to get them kicked out of church and tell them they can't come back till they repent type thing. Now, I wouldn't want anybody that was in leadership or teaching in my church – to hold this view and teach it to people. But I think the only reason for it, and these are smart people that push this view, is to allow for what science says about evolution.
1: I think well, that's, that's really That's it. what I'm saying. I don't really get yeah. the – if they're actually defending God, I don't understand the – I mean, I'll accept the argument. You have to. Mm-hmm. And I do believe that there are some that say, hey, we've got to protect our God the way we yes. believe. But God doesn't need our help. Mm-hmm. The Bible is clear in <laughs> stating that. To me, that's the same kind of, and to to get off on something else just real quick, Mm -hmm. that's the same kind of malarkey that people now use about this is a racist country, Uh, we're so white supremacist, we Mm -hmm. don't care about other ethnic cultures, we treat them like crap, but yet you want to have open borders. So. If we're treating people so bad, then why should we let people come in? And to me, this is why are we trying to defend God? So when, more,
0: more people for us to abuse. Yeah, I, I <laughs> guess. you know. So why do, why,
1: why do we think we need to defend God on that level? Well, what's funny is, as I was looking back at some
0: stuff, uh, they were pointing out that this is not an old debate in how long the earth's been around, but it's only been since like the uh, 1800s that we've been defending that it hasn't been millions of years because that's about the time darwin come around with his theories and we had to all fall in line because what he was saying was true so we had to make the bible align with it but back in the day the reformers and whatnot were debating people on the fact it did take god six days to create the heavens and the earth because there was people back then saying that no he did it one day probably going back to in the beginning god created the heavens and the earth and there was a big debate going on there. So they were defending an actual literal six-day creation from a one-day creation as opposed to our modern day where we're defending against millions of years. There was an interesting quote by Martin Luther I wanted to read where he was defending against people that thought the earth was created in one day. He said, When Moses writes that God created the heaven and the earth, whatever's in them in six days, then let this period continue to have been six days. And do not venture to devise any comment according to which six days were one day. But if you cannot understand how this could have been done in six days, then grant the Holy Spirit the honor of being more learned than you are. For you you are to deal with Scripture in such a way that you bear in mind that God himself says what is written. But since God is speaking is not fitting for you, want only to turn his words the direction you wish them to go. That could apply. You could take that and let it not be said one day and let it not be said a million years mm-hmm. and swap those two things out. And it makes you know sense, especially when he's arguing with other theologians. And he's saying, let the Holy Spirit have the honor of being more learned than you are. And that scripture comes from God. And this is what scripture tells us. And this is what we believe.
1: I would agree with that. Yes,
0: I, that is a, I thought that was worth sharing there. So we're in a, we're in agreement that a day is a day, 24 hours. Uh, young earth and as far as the view we have, we would disagree with anybody that wanted to mix evolution in with creation, add the billions of years or to say that there's an old earth. And I I think you were making the distinction earlier. I think these old earth creationists are still Saying Adam's special creation. I'm hoping. Yeah. Because that's the this is the real issue you have, because you can say this doesn't matter whether it's a young earth or an old earth. We're still where we are. Jesus came, he died in our place, and he's justified us and he's sanctifying us. And you can say this doesn't really matter, but it does, because if Adam isn't a special creation, then through one man death entered the world. And through another, the world was saved. Mm-hmm. We were imputed with Adam's sin; we're imputed with Jesus's righteousness. Without us being imputed with Adam's sin, there's you know there's no need. Yeah, for and we can't be imputed with Christ's righteousness. There's a federal head that was set up mm-hmm. for us, and also death entering the world. The whole creation suffered from Adam's sin. Sure, the world fell. Death of animals didn't happen before Adam. Mm-hmm. And so, if you want to go back and say, "Oh, yeah, Adam." Adam's only been around for about ten thousand years, and God made him then. But you've got all these animals in your fossil record that died for billions and trillions of years before Adam. How? Why was death in the world before
1: Adam? Right. No, I, and and I agree. And also to go back. You you said dominion earlier. I think it's important for mm-hmm. a lot of the people out there to understand that there are different levels of God's creation. Mm-hmm. Uh, man was created to have dominion over the rest of God's creation, yeah. and you see. Uh, death was brought on by Adam because of his sin. We, I'm not a big, what you would call, I'm not a tree hugger. Yeah. However, I do believe the Bible teaches that we need to respect the environment. We are to take care of it because that was one of the, yeah. the main things that he told but Adam. It,
0: but it's for us. But it's for and us. If we need to level trees to, that, you know, yes. for something to make people's lives better than right. we did. But it. we've
1: done a poor job overall yeah. of taking care of uh, what God has given us as stewards. But it still doesn't take away the fact that he created us to have dominion and to run this his creation. Yeah,
0: for sure, it doesn't. It's not in charge of us. We don't have to live around creation. Right. (laughs) But and this is also another point that, as far as if it was poetic language, some people would say, well, there was no literal Adam. That and we've discussed there has to be a literal Adam. The world fell into sin through Adam, but they're going to say there was no literal Adam. It was poetic language. Well, let's kind of look at how let's look at some spots where in the New Testament, they thought there was a literal Adam. Well, you know, there, there were several times in the Old Testament. Adam's mainly mentioned back in Genesis, a few times throughout the like minor prophets Adams mentioned. He's mentioned in the genealogy in Luke. You know, it goes all the way back to Adam, and then like in First Corinthians 1522For as in Adam, all die. So in Christ all will be made alive. Mm-hmm. So Paul's taking a literal Adam there in Romans 5:14 nevertheless death reigned from Adam to Moses even to those who had not sinned in the likeness of trespass of Adam, who is the type of him who was to come. okay so that's Romans saying that there was an actual Adam and that he transgressed and sinned and everybody else suffered for it basically. And first uh, Timothy 2:13 For it was Adam who was first formed and then Eve. So we're going back seeing Adam was first Mm -hmm. in the New Testament. This is what they believed. In Jude, it says, but Enoch in the seventh generation of Adam also prophesied about these things. Well, that's all we really need there. But it was saying Enoch was in Adam's seventh generation. And in Matthew 19, 4, Jesus didn't actually say the name Adam, but he said, and he answered them and said, Have you not read he who created them from the beginning made them male and female. Mm -hmm. So Jesus went back to creation. He went back to the creation of Adam and Eve. So I think the new Testament takes Adam as a literal person. Sure. Special creation, which is needed for us. You need Adam to be your representative at the beginning for the Bible to be true, basically. So I think those are the problems with theistic evolution. If you use evolution as your pattern, It's going to take billions of years to get to an atom, and you're never – and I've heard people spout this now, that there was more people on the face of the earth. I've heard William Lane Craig said there might have been a population of, like, so many hundreds of people when Adam existed. That just totally doesn't flow with what the Bible Mm -hmm. teaches.
1: Yeah, that's your biggest issue when you take steps like that, is you just can't coalesce it with what the Mm -hmm. Word of God has to say. and. If you're going to be a Christian, then that has to be your authority. Yeah. And the things that, as a person, me, you, anyone else that can't explain at this point may never be able to explain, may, maybe never be able to comprehend, Yeah. that doesn't give us license to convolute the Bible, to mm-hmm. add to it, to come up with our own way. You know, at the end of the day, God is who God is, and we mm-hmm. need to accept that, even in the parts that maybe we don't feel comfortable with. Yeah.
0: And at, at the end, the Word of God's always true, and every man's a liar. Absolutely. You know, and if you stand on Scripture, you're standing on solid ground. Science is shifting sand. People have been arguing scientific arguments for years, and then the, all the science changes with one discovery, and it right out beneath their feet. They just lost the ground they were standing on, and Scripture always proves to be true in the end.
1: Yeah, and one thing that I didn't bring up this morning that I had in my notes in Sunday school, the The two times when dealing with King Jeroboam and King Rehoboam, Mm -hmm. it talked about idols. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some translations have worthless idols, but anyway, the Hebrew word there actually meant vapor or breath. So that just shows the lack of substance. Yeah. In that, uh, compared to what God's word, which the Bible tells us, all things will pass away, but God's word will be here forever. Forever.
0: Forever. And I like the way you talk about idols because that's what evolution is. Absolutely. Uh, To to our generation, it's an idol that people worship
1: at. Mm -hmm.
0: Anyway, Scooter, I think that's good for this week. What do you think? Okay, Sounds good. Sounds good. Well, you know, we appreciate you listening. And if you haven't witnessed to somebody this week, witness to somebody. And if you have witnessed to somebody, witness to somebody else. Peace out. Thank you for listening and supporting our podcast. And until next time, keep styling and profiling. UC Cast out.